Hey guys, it's Andrea, and welcome to the new season of Trekkie and Beyond. We are now exploring some strange new worlds. Are you excited? Because we are. So stick around and enjoy. Podcast, I'm Anika. And I'm Andrea, and welcome to season two of Strange New Worlds. Guys, we are back. The show is back, and it is amazing. Great starter. Season one is called The Broken Circle, and the Enterprise receives a distress call from La'an that compels Spock to do what he never does and dis- disobey orders and take the USS Enterprise to a not-so-safe spot part of space. All the while, Captain Pike is off ship trying to save his number one. This episode was action-packed. I liked it, but let's let's get into it a little bit more. Monica, what were your initial reactions? Initial reactions, I like it because I'm sensing a season arc and I'm sensing a longer story and a lot of drama. So there's a lot of different ways that this season can go based on the season two premiere. And I'm excited to talk about it. First of all, there's a new intro with like a new typeface, new graphics, lots of bold red colors, really digging the the new intro. Um, the new intro was really nice as well. Um, I loved this first episode and I'm going to have to say, I hope there isn't a season arc um, cause I can't, I cannot do a season long mystery. I can maybe do like a war, a season of war, but not like where there's just like, you know, one issue that saves them all. I don't want that. Um, but I will say, as I went and watched this episode a couple more couple times, um, I noticed little bits and pieces and things that I didn't catch the first time. So I'm very excited to go into this deep dive and to discuss a little bit more of this broken circle because we get to see a little bit more of the Star Trek and the Starfleet and of their world that I just wasn't, you know, wasn't well known to me. Could have been well known to other people, uh, people who have like. Uh, truly, truly know the Star Trek world, not like me. I'm so sorry, people. Don't judge me. Monica's better than me. I know. We all know this. And But there's a lot. There's a lot, and I cannot wait to dive into it. Okay, note everyone that we both like this one. <laughs> yes. But for different reasons, but yes. We both like this um, though, I wonder, as we get to that part, there's going to be something where I think we're going to like differ on yeah. what we want to happen with a yeah. certain couple, maybe triangle that they're trying to force. And I think we might be on different wavelengths about that, but we'll see. We'll see as we get closer. What do you think people, do you think Monique and I are gonna agree throughout this entire episode? Let us know in the comments. Pause pause right now and comment, what do you think? Are we going to agree or not agree? Cause even we don't know the answer. So we're gonna find out together. <laughs> So the episode opens up with a captain's log. And in this one, if you are not listening to it like intently, you may miss something that, you know, Captain Pike says. And I missed it the first time around, but I caught it the second time when he makes a point of saying that he thinks that the higher ups are a little bit more tense than they should be with uh, something's going on that he's not aware of, which is a spoiler for later on in the, for the very end of this episode, which sort of makes why everything happened, quote unquote okay and quote-unquote forgivable and why some people are not quote-unquote remanded for their vast overuse of their power (laughs) 
But Captain Pike, the loyal Boy Scout that he is, refuses to leave a man behind. Even if that person is like, hey, yo, leave me behind. Because I lied on the forum. Like, I literally have no leg to stand on because I lied from the beginning. And that is number one's argument to Pike. And Pike refuses to believe that. And he is now on a mission to go find a lawyer who will represent her. What did you think of the opening of the opening scene in the monologue? Oh, I think that whenever Pike shares that star date, that helps to give some perspective of where they are in um, the timeline, of course. And it shows, it's really foreshadowing what's to come because Spock is also a good Boy Scout. Um, he just may not have been a formal Boy Scout, but he's the same way. He's going to help save some uh, member of the crew that was in distress. Um, and um, Pike is on that. Is he, he's just stepping away on shore leave to, to do that. Um, I do want to say one thing that Paramount changed this episode. And so I watched this episode a few days ago and there's a little bit more that they then took out about when Pike then travels to, uh, to help, you know, on his, he goes on a side quest. And so they took that out and I don't know why. <laughs> and I didn't realize that until I rewatched it today. I was like, where did that go? <laughs> so um, I never I saw that. that we're going to add it in the next episode or episode after that, because we're going to have to have more about um, number one's trial. But I do want to let the listeners know that you may want to rewatch the episode because it changed. Or if you were like me and waited till the day before the recording to make sure it was fresh in your head, you never saw that scene. So I have no idea what she's talking about. <laughs> I guess that's the problem with like waiting until like the day before to watch to make sure, you know, I don't like forget anything because my memory sometimes is bad, people. Um, I don't remember that scene. So that's very interesting. I watched it uh, last night and you watched it, I guess, the day it came out. Yes, I watched it within like the first 12 hours that it aired. And then I watched it again today. Um, so basically there's a scene in which Pike then travels to another planet and then meets a doctor to learn more to help with Yuna's case, number one's case. And so that scene was extracted and... Um, maybe I shouldn't share more because I guess they're they edited it for a reason. <laughs> Interesting. Well, you heard it here first, maybe or maybe not. That there's a scene missing from Paramount from this episode. Interesting. Learn something new every day, people. But uh, moving on to Spock, the Spock of the episode. Spock is uh, experiencing some stress because he did what Vulcans don't normally do. He let out his emotion. He broke the block so he could fight the guard. And um, he's now trying to figure out how to handle it. And I love how Dr. Mbenga is like, you could just learn to handle manage it like humans. He's like, I would prefer not to. <laughs> I would prefer not to have them. Um, and we see that he starts to play music to help calm his stress. And then a certain someone in a certain nurse chapel walks in the room and his stress levels elevate. And Dr. Mbenga, Mbenga notices it and he's like oh i peep what's going on between you two even if you don't realize it and spock 
does the most obvious thing. He walks out the room. He's like, I got, I got to go. I have In to the go. opposite direction. Like, seriously, dude? <laughs> seriously, could you be more obvious? Um, and then we also get to see um, how protective the rest of the Enterprise crew is and the new ensign who I'm liking the, I'm liking the, um, I'm liking the attitude and the sureness we're getting of our new ensign Ahura. Like I'm loving the way she's acting, but we get to see how Ortegas and Mitchells and, um, and uh, Ahura are very protective of where they sit and of their comms and how they're like basically telling Starfleet back up off our ship. We know the way, we know the reason things are the way they are. This is our ship. Standard don't work here. <laughs> what did you think of those two scenes? Yeah, I think it's important to be able to customize your work environment. And they had, they just did that. They were, the ship was docked for repairs and upgrades. That doesn't mean you have to change someone's work environment. So yeah, stand off, stay here. It's okay. <laughs> we, we got this. <laughs> and obviously, I mean, they've been able to uh, conquer through so many uh, different missions in the first season that they're okay with that. So it's... I appreciate the fact that they are more confident, as you stated, and they were able to communicate that. Um, and so that is basically all of like the opener that we get for this episode of, of setting the stage for what's to happen. Because as Ohora is basically fighting with the communications person about the upgrade, she receives a message. She goes tell Spock that, hey, La'an's in trouble. We need to go get her from this planet that's also both ruled by Klingons and the Federation, 30 days on, 30 days off. It's like this whole, like, joint custody of the child type situation, <laughs> which was very confusing the first time I heard it. And then I didn't think, it sort of went over my head. And the second time I heard it, I was like, wait, that makes literally, like, no sense. But whatever. Okay. I guess the child is happy, the planet, whatever. Um, and we see that La'an is requesting help from the planet from with the little girl whose name is escaping me, um, um, Orania, yes. O-R-I-A-N-A. Sorry if I'm pronouncing her name incorrectly. Um, that they find her parents and they're sick, but she notices that there is like a little under, underground resistance happening between both Federation and Klingon members. Um and so Starfleet does what Spock does, what Starfleet does best, breaks the rules. And <laughs> goes, uh, they get out of uh, space dock with a side story that we'll, we'll be discussing as we do our like full in-depth discussion of this episode um, of a new character who I'm really liking, and I hope you like her too, of basically going there to save her. They find out that there's this whole resistance happening. They're trying to save them. Dr. Mbega and both uh, Nurse Chapel get abducted for help, but not so necessarily help. And they notice that they built an entire starship in the middle of this planet to like replicate a Starfleet ship. And we see Spock has to blow up the ship knowing two people of his own crew are still on there. And we get to see the visceral reaction of him making, of doing the order of, shoot it down like fire the torpedoes and we literally see like the tears in his eyes at the thought of killing these people um but dr Mbega and nurse chapel somehow survive in a way that i don't think is possible which we'll still discuss a little bit more as well and spock also gets the michael burnham treatment where no <laughs> like <laughs> he gets no repercussions but we also learn there's a reason why he didn't get repercussions because i think at this point starfleet's like 
hey, he stopped us from fighting a war on both fronts. And at the very last scene, we see a Gorn ship is identified on like their map. And so like that's basically the entire episode. But it leads to you're not going to get in trouble because you don't want anyone else to look any deeper into this. That's like the air is giving about this episode. So let's discuss. What is your favorite moment? What What is the thing you want to talk about first? Okay, so let's dive in deeper. And um, when Mabenga and Spock talk about stress, Mabenga mm-hmm. goes in and gets the musical instrument, as you mentioned. And I just want to mention to all those that's new to Star Trek that he picked up a harp. And this is significant because in the original series, Spock plays the harp also to de-stress and connect with Ahura. And they sing, He, she sings and he plays that harp and they become, they have harmony together that way. And so um, just for just for some point of reference of why that's significant, I think it's really helping um, him to also see his more, uh human side and um also for the crew to see that he's a softer side than just his full logic logical brain <laughs> and, and, and and actions a lot of the times it doesn't make sense it, it really helps soften his character um so there's that and i think that that also shows that mabanga is more interested than just the medicine part He's yes. also interested in mental health, mm-hmm. um, the wholeness of the individual, making sh- and trying his best to just, I think, um, be. He's extending himself outside of the the medical sick bay, and I yeah. like that in his character. It, and his character really shined for me um in this episode more so than any other episode in the first season especially that renaissance book episode that was supposed to be like his episode <laughs> girl when i tell you my entire view of this man has changed in this episode like, <laughs> okay like, i was like oh yeah okay doctor got some moves He's like, these hands are healing, but I will break y'all if I need to. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So I watched the Ready Room episode about this one in which they um, interviewed the gentleman who plays Spock. And uh, I learned that um, the gentleman that plays Mbanga also has a martial arts background, a, a Brazilian martial arts background. And so the actors, th- the sorry, the... Um, uh, the director and the writers thought it'd be a great opportunity to in, to integrate that. There's a, not a lot of hand and hand combat combat in the first season, and so they integrated it here. And I think you could tell that he his kicks were high. I mean, his fighting it was really um, good action scenes there. Um, so hats off to him in that. What did you think about those? that action scenes with um, with Mabanga and Chapel fighting off the Klingons. So I definitely, so I love this scene. So when he was like helping the Klingon and basically you could see, so, okay, let me start over. The, the Mbanga that we got to see in season one was a father trying not to lose his daughter. That is right. all we saw. And I was just like, dude, you're a doctor, like get yourself together. But this episode sort of gives a little hint that he has some post-traumatic, post-traumatic stress from when he was stationed 
um, during the Klingon Wars years earlier. Um, and it's also actually finally actually said that both he and Nurse Chapel were actually in the war, unlike the rest of the Enterprise crew. Right. Um, they actually served in it. And there was, he made some mention of like, I think there was so much blood, the like air turned red or something like that, the rain turned right. red. Um, and it's like almost like he closed that side of him off. And to just to be the doctor. And as he's being on the ship fighting for his life and for Nurse Chapel's life, and possibly for the lives of so many more Star, Starfleet people and like other innocent people that he is reverting back mentally to that time to like do what needs to be done. Because when he was fighting that Klingon, he was not showing him any mercy. Nurse right. Chapel was like, hey, look, he can't talk if he's dead. He can't give us any information if he's dead. The Klingon even makes a point to say, hey, we know Starfleet doesn't torture. And Dr. Mbenga just keeps going on him. <laughs> And so I feel like we're going to see more about this um, work. Like, it's very interesting that he was telling Spock how to manage his stress. And I think now he's going to have to find ways to manage manage this post-traumatic stress that he has because he had to let it out to save themselves. And sometimes we see, or we've seen it with other characters, when you open that door, you can't always close it. There's a reason it was closed. And sometimes it's not as easy to close it the first time. Um, but I was, I'm going to be honest. This scene, I was like, oh, I like this doctor. I guess I think I like this doctor. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. And what started out to be a humanitarian mission, they were they were beaming down to uh to just help out. I mean, they had their medical equipment, but I was thinking the whole time when they were trapped with the Klingons, where are your phasers? Shoot them. Shoot them. <laughs> they didn't bring them. I don't think they did. Because no. they were trying to stay undercover. But right. yeah, mini phasers, something, a defense shield. Give me something. Um, right. Especially on. knowing that they're in this uh, this environment with, first of all, they're undercover. And then yeah. they are um, in this environment that changes every month and close to the Klingons and the previous war. And stuff like that. I was just thinking, yeah, y'all need weapons. I don't know why you didn't hide some. <laughs> so it also, um, it also like gives to wonder, like this whole, like, fraction of people who are trying to fight, they built, like, yeah. they built a Starfleet replica, like ship, underground. Like that's one for for the. One says, how many people were, were in this fraction? One. Two, how many higher-ups may have not known or known? Because how do you build an entire ship underground when the powers that be are changing every 30 months, every 30, not 30 months, every 30 days? How are you keeping this a secret? Because I'm, I'm assuming, and maybe they explained it, I might have missed it, um, that like when you're not in power, you're not on the, sh you're not on the, the planet. Because I would think that would still like have some tension, and then like also that led to the question during the war: Were you still trading off power? Like, how did that work during the war as well? So that that this that whole that whole argument sort of led to some questions I had deeper about this planet, and then what they were able to do. One during I guess they built it during peace times, but still like how was this planet ever? under two different rules during war times. Yeah, this episode led a lot of questions for me, and that's why I had a lot of doubt after watching it the first time. And like you, after watching it 
again, I uh, learned a lot more because I was thinking about the dilithium, all the resources they would have to bring in to build that ship. And maybe they took pieces of other ships that from the Klingon war and they like were trying to put them together yeah. because it doesn't, it had some of the equipment that Mabenga and Chapel needed to, mm -hmm. for that ejection and they knew where to go. Um, and she knew how to close the door. So it was wired the same way. There are certain things that were in place. So it leads me to believe like maybe they like took some other ships and then made like and, and put them together. Well, that right there is our stopping point for the moment. Um, and we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to discuss um, a little bit of a triangle that may or may not have been like revealed. The signs behind behind. The signs behind how some people can survive in this vacuum of space, even for a minute, like even for literally the 60 seconds. And what could possibly be happening happening with the leaders of Starfleet? So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Hey guys, it's Andrea. And if you love watching Star Trek and other science fiction TV shows, check out my book, Alindal. It's all about Aubriana, a young woman who finds herself on an alien planet in the middle of an intergalactic war, all because the mother who she thought abandoned her was really a general in an alien army. Now she has to work with a stubborn prince and his family to get back to the peace she once knew. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Apple Books, and wherever else you shop for your ebooks. And for my listeners out there, it's also available on Audible. For more information, check out my link tree in the episode description. I look forward to your readings. Now back to the episode. Two of episode one of season two. Are you guys excited? Because we are. So let's get back into this whole debriefing discussion of the deeper dives. I'm liking that term now. So before we get into a little bit more of that triangle we were talking about that may or may not be happening and some other worries that the upper Starfleet may have, we did meet a new character this, um, a new, yeah, a new character this episode. Um, and I love her. Her name is Carol Kane. And she is a Bethaniaite, if I'm saying it correctly. If I'm incorrectly saying it, I apologize. And I like her specifically for the fact that she was able to call out what the Enterprise is doing from the gecko. <laughs> She's like, you're, and it goes to show like that is definitely a plan that Spock created because Spock is such a by the book person sometimes, even when he's breaking the rules, he's like a by the book person. And she's like, I know what this, I know what that, what an actual issue would be. I trained, I was a teacher in Starfleet. And he's like, oh, I was not aware. And this is a textbook way of doing like a warp core failure. And you can just see in everyone's face, oh crap. Like, <laughs> But instead of turning them in and instead of telling them to stop, she's like, well, whatever you're about to do, uh, we should probably do it better and do it soon before they start to wonder what's going on. And she has them like leak, I, uh, I think it was Ion. Some, yeah. some type of ion and so that way the space dock would be like hey back up get up like automatically decouple so like don't don't let this like hit the space docking like 
she was really smart and under in a smart underhanded way and we find out that she has has not been on a starfleet ship in over a hundred years and it's a long long story a story that maybe spock's mother might know yes it's very interesting what did you think of her character i recognize her character first of all from princess bride and i thought Oh my goodness, Carol Kane has not aged a day <laughs> since that. So she was in Princess Bride. She was in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. So it's nice. Oh, I love her in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yes. Yeah, to see actresses as they age continue to be involved in the craft. And uh, her character, as witty as it is, reminded me of like what an older Tilly would be. Like observing and then be a little bit like, okay, in a little smart aleck kind of way, but like prove that she's right. And I thought that was really cool. And I'm hoping that maybe we'll see a lot more of her um, as she joins the Enterprise. And then maybe, um, maybe she's part of the Academy again in the future, because if her species lives for a long time, she could continue to like persist into um, the new Star Star Trek um, Academy series, and uh, she must have a lot of knowledge. And so, like, that's interesting to me. What it would be like to um, to not like fear death, like Pike, mm -hmm. like the like the the issues that Pike has. Um, and so, I'm um, intrigued by that, and also Amanda, because I. I really like Amanda and um, her love for her son, Spock, and everything that she wants to do for him. So it's interesting to see that connection. So basically, it's like she trusts Spock because Spock is a friend of her son. So that kind of hookup kind of thing. <laughs> I thought was cute. And it's also like interesting because something she said made me like wonder how did she get away with it? Because she said it's been 100 years since she was on a ship. But the first person she's told about who she was was Spock's mom. So that makes me wonder, did you also lie on your, like, are, like did you lie on your application to Starfleet? Like, <laughs> like, or did you tell them? And she was your first friend you confided in. Because when she said that, I was just like, oh, well, you, your words and stories are not adding up to what might be in your application. So let's, let's review. Please go into detail. We need a little more detail about. Yes, I, I agree. With you. Are you considered a different version of human? Like, what's going on here? Yeah, I would love that backstory. Um, also, for the new Trekkies out there, if you're interested in learning more about Amanda, watch Star Trek: The Original Series. Amanda's featured, I think, in like three episodes there, and then Star Trek Discovery season two. There's quite a bit about um, Spock and Amanda Michael's journey together and family bonding. <laughs> family time. <laughs> Promoted sometimes. So, <laughs> I mean, with Starfleet, you know, you go years without seeing the person you're you, like you're with sometimes. So, you know, yeah. it's promoted sometimes. So back to Dr. Mbanga and Nurse Chapel. As these like two people have wrecked the Klingons on this ship, um, they send out a distress a beacon on the transponder signal that says Enterprise destroy the ship. And 
their first initial reaction is they're probably going to go down with this ship, but they have to make sure that this ship does not make it out off this planet because if they were to and they attack the Klingon ship, it would reunite the war, which is what this fraction wants. And we can't have that. The Klingons wiped the floor with Starfleet. <laughs> we cannot have them. Like, this just can't happen. The, the war cannot happen again. Starfleet and the Star, Starfleet knows this. Starfleet knows this. And Spock is very much caught between a rock and a hard place because we're seeing that he has some type of feelings for Nurse Chapel. And now he's also dealing with all the stress of actually feeling his actual emotions that he's learned to repress for so long. And there's also a Klingon battleship just right a, 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 jump, a jump skip hop away that they're hiding from. So there's a lot going on and he has a very short amount of time to figure out the right moves to make in an unsanctioned mis mission, which is also adding extra stress to what he's going through. <laughs> he's just a little ball of stress. Where's his little heart? He needs his little heart. But Dr. Mbenga says they can basically just jettison off the ship through the airlock, but they have no EV suits. But he says they have a minute before they, go, before they will completely die. And he literally means 60 seconds. And so in the way of, you know, TV, they, they cut back and forth between them making the decision of jumping out of the airlock and Spock trying to decide to fire the torpedoes because everyone knows he's going to kill the people if they do. And we get to see Nurse Chapel and Dr. Mbenga like share this intense look. And sometimes trauma bonds you in a way that is unexplainable. Like you start to feel something because you go through some something so either great or horrible with someone. And I definitely saw some looks of emotions between Dr. Mbenga and Nurse Chapel. And it very well could be, we might die, so I'm so sad, but I don't know what to say, looks. And it could be, I'm seeing you in a whole new light type looks. I, okay, Monica just shook her head no. So <laughs> what was your thoughts about that? I think the two of them had some adventures together in mm -hmm. the Klingon war. Um, and that was really featured in the very beginning of Discovery. And they had some battles together and trust each other immensely. And I don't think it's a love interest. I think it's just like they have a really good friendship partnership and they're like, we're in it together. We're not just going to use this one helmet and this one bodysuit. We're going to see how we can share it together. He was like, but you're, and he said, trust me, basically, um, you're going to go, you're going to go become like unconscious in 15 seconds. It's not going to be painful for you, but you're going to live. You're going to survive. And by golly, he was right because Spock to the rescue um, and uh, the rest of Discovery crew, they beamed them out um, onto and the right. holodeck. I just wish they beamed them straight into the sick bay, but <laughs> beamed them onto the holodeck. Um, and we see Spock have a little bit of like an emotional reunion. It was like, you cannot die. I waited. I waited. And it was like, again, it was almost the emotion of, is this a captain afraid that he, he waited too long to kill his, and he killed his crew? Or is it, I can't lose you, boo. I just realized I liked you. So <laughs> 
I was thinking because he said you cannot die. He was more thinking back to his conversation with Pike because Pike told him about the future. And so he was thinking, I know you're not going to die because that's not part of the path. So, cause he said, basically you do not die. You do not die. He said that like three times. So I don't know. That's my theory. I, I saw it more as he would not be able to live with that decision if she did. Mm. Um, because we see that Dr. Omega has his eyes open. He's staring at, um, he's staring at her chapel and like, like, okay, I need her to be alive as well, you know? And Spock, with feeling all these emotions, is like, you can't die because he was, he was so, he waited so long to fire, like, into the very last, last possible moment. And it was like, I did all of this to save you, to like, not, so I didn't kill you. You can't die. Um, I felt it was more of like, he just could not, uh, he couldn't lose her. Yeah, I was surprised that we saw two emotional moments from Spock, both when she beamed on board, both of them, Mabanga and Chapel beamed on board, and he rushed there. Um, uh -huh. And I didn't see any other people from sickbay rush there, but <laughs> he was there. And then later on, there was a scene where Nurse Chapel was recovering, and then it looked like he was a little teary-eyed. Yes, he was. Showing emotion, Vulcan showing emo uh, an unVulcan Vulcan thing to do. And I have to say, I know I I am, I am still team Tapring because I loved her from season one, and to see, so now I, I need her to come back so I can see how Spock interacts with her now that he's feeling his emotions, because we know Spock cares about her. We know Spock's. Spock loves to pray in in their Vulcan way. So I need to see how he reacts with her because I am still team to pray. Even though you can you can just like melt uh you can cook an egg on the heat that's going off between Spock and her chapel. But lust is not everything. It's not. It's not love. So we're going to see what happens cuz Right. And we also know that Nurse Chapel has commitment issues. We learned that last season. Mm -hmm. And she admitted to Mabanga at the very beginning of the episode that she's considering applying for another position, I think just to help ease the stress. She knows that, that she's more into Spock than he's into her. So, <laughs> and that is an entanglement. It's a tough situation, tough working environment. Uh, but now as I'm starting to get a little doubt. I also don't want the two of them together. But now I'm starting to feel as though maybe Spock has more feelings than what I previously thought. Um, and then also we see that Spock has a drinking, he drinks with the Klingons after he's able to talk them down and like prove to them that they were stopping a war, not trying to incite a war, not trying to trick the Klingons, that he was trying to do everything in his power to make sure peace remained. And he's drinking blood wine. And he, they say the Vulcan that doesn't do Vulcan things. And it's very interesting because Spock doesn't share with them that he's actually half human. So he's not fully a Vulcan who doesn't do Vulcan things. He's a half Vulcan, half human who's letting his human side run the show for a little bit. Um, because I will say this. 
Vulcans may not be may not lie, but Spock is able to because mm-hmm. he is half human. And so regardless of the fact that he has not, does not mean does not mean he is not able to lie. Right, because we he we've experienced one of his lies when he kissed Nurse Chapel. Yeah, one of the episodes last season, just to throw off. I think it was like a hijacker or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's like he can lie, but they don't know that. And in the very end, we see that he is basically let off the hook from Starfleet. And when you first watch it, before you know the end scene, you're just like, "Are you serious?" Like I understand, I understand. Like he stopped the war from starting, but why? And then like. You, then he goes in to say, basically, the only reason he was not punished is because they need him. So they can't. <laughs> like, if, and so it basically goes to show, though, if they did not need him coming up, that he would have been punished. So I do feel a little bit better that there would have been a punishment. But Spock did, it's like this time, the ends actually justified the means, like what he did. He didn't he didn't hurt anyone, he didn't lie to anyone, he didn't like deceive anyone, he didn't like he literally just all he did was take the ship, go save someone, stop insurrection. Like he didn't have to really manipulate quote unquote anyone in Starfleet. Um so like this time the ends sort of actually justified the means and no one else was actually hurt and only positives came from this mission so it's like okay i can see how it wouldn't be like a too terrible uh punishment but there should have been a punishment but it's like yeah we're only and it's like we're only not punishing you because we need you not because we don't think you're wrong but because the gorn are about to hit the, like the corn's about to hit the fan and we're gonna need every capable hand on deck that is why you're not in trouble and it's like goes back to how michael was released because they needed her not because they didn't think what she did was wrong. And still, again, always down the hill. It was not her fault. Um, like, if they need you, they'll just let your issue, they'll just let your insubordination slide for, for a moment. So this whole time, oh I was thinking, Pike's only going to be gone for three days. Right? <laughs> and I know he's out on personal leave. But how about run this by him? Just a quick chat. <laughs> Ask his perspective, like asking your boss, you know, about this this mission. Because what if it was a trap, or what if they needed the Enterprise for another mission? So I have concerns there, and I know I'm I'm diving in deeper, but that's an issue. Yes. Question though, question on that issue. Let's. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be devil's advocate right yeah. real quick. Do you really think Pike wouldn't have told him not to go? Right. But at least, though, you have, I think, reassurance from the ship's captain compared to an acting captain for three days. And he's already stressed and nervous about decisions going into this. (laughs) Have some reassurance. And worst case scenario, you're like, well, I ran it by my boss and he approved it. So (laughs) because the Admiral still said no. So it's just like. Right, but hey, I, hey, I try. I reached out, but <laughs> um, so that. And then I was thinking, wow. So the Federation doesn't keep track of their ships because no one followed the Enterprise to this location 
Um, <laughs> so, um, there, I wonder, I have concerns about those aspects of the storyline. I'm glad though that no one got hurt because mm-hmm. I was also thinking, oh my goodness, I don't want Spock to start a Klingon war. His sister just started a Klingon war. Like, like this is too ironic here for for this situation. Um, now, um, he was able to prevent one. Great. Um, there's this, but the end is not, I don't think this is going to be the end. I think we're going to see more Klingons. And the end of the episode also led me to believe like it's to be continued with the Gorn. So there's going to be more underlining story that's going to reach out from here. And we're going to need probably Lyon to to help us with that. And one thing, was it just me or do the Klingons look different in this this show than they did in Discovery? Uh, Yes. They look more humanoid. Like that was one thing that was very interesting. Like they looked more humanoid in, um, or it could be because they grew out their hair, and then like in the last in Discovery, they didn't grow out their hair. Um, right, they don't grow their hair in times of war. Yeah, right. So they keep their hair cut, but then also this should be more like, I guess, leading into next in, into the original series. So this should be, um, I don't know. I, I do like the look of these Klingons. Yeah, and these Klingons look more like the ones I grew up, like the ones we grew up with. But it was just very interesting because even in Discovery, when they did grow their hair, they didn't look like this. So I was very sort of like shocked at, like, oh, they look a lot different in such a short amount of time. <laughs> so. Yes. And I think there's like seven factions. So there's different types of Klingons. I mean, because we realized that there's like albino Klingons and there's mm-hmm. some that look a lot different than others. So, um, but I'm I'm pleased with the way that they look. Um, I though think that the Federation should have, I don't know, an outpost near there or should at least be able to scan that radar and know where all their ships are at any given time. Yeah, it was a it was an interesting episode. Um, not bad. It was great. It was awesome. Any final thoughts before we near the end of it? Yeah. So at the end of the episode, uh, they featured a dedication to Nacelle Nichols, and um, because this entire episode was dedicated to her, and I thought that that was well-deserved and I think it was lovely and I, I'm glad that they did that. Um, I also hope that we learn a little bit more about Mabenga and Chapel's backstory mm-hmm. because they took that green, they took a green liquid with them that makes me think it's a steroid that boosts their, their energy levels. And so that also makes me wonder a little bit about ethics and if they use that in the past for another Klingon war, because they chose to bring that along instead of their, uh, phasers, so they must trust that that green mysterious liquid there. Um, so I would love to see an episode with a flashback for um, to learn more about um, really their their journeys together. I am um, looking forward to Pike's reaction to them still in the ship. Part of me, part of me, to go back to what you said about why didn't he call him, part of me would be like, 
he'll say like, why didn't you call me? I could have came back and we could have went together. Like, <laughs> I firmly believe Pike would have like supported the mission in all aspects. So I really, um, I really would like want to see his reaction to it. And then um, I want to see more of Carol Kane's character. Um, Poli- I don't think I remember how they said her name, but it's P-E-L-I-A. That's her, that's her character's name on the show. Um, I'm looking forward to see how she fits in to the Enterprise crew. And I'm liking, again, more of Uhura's sure of herself, sureness of herself. And um, see where that comes, because I really did love, I really did love Uhura. And last, last season left me a little bit lacking. So I'm glad she is filling that void. Anything else? No, this is going to be an exciting uh, twist of events with with all of this. It can go in a many different directions, which I like. And there's a lot of drama. So, yeah. We love other people's drama. Not ours. Other people's. Exactly. <laughs> but as always, I'm Andrea. I'm Anika. I live I'm long, long and prosper. Hey guys, it's Andrea. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Trekkie and Beyond. If you enjoyed that episode, feel free to subscribe by pressing that small little follow button. And if you feel so inclined to support, well, that's even better. And as always, live long and prosper. Thank you.